You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You have arrived at your destination. Do you want to record a, a, an episode? I guess we ought to record an episode as long as we're okay. going. Okay. So here's, I think the here's there's two two main questions to ask right now. Okay. Yeah. First first question: You playing any fun uh, games on your phone? On my phone. And, um, and why isn't it Tune Blast? And <laughs> those are the two questions. <laughs> I've been no, actually, there's one more. Okay. Uh, I've been playing Toon Blast for a while now. Okay, and recently, since I've been working from home a lot, playing it too much. Sure, yeah, to too much to where I get stuck on a level and I download a different game okay. to like oh to, to like, like yeah feed yeah, yeah. to feed whatever that is inside of me. Yeah, I think it's just anxiety and needing to do something all the time. Yeah, I get that. I haven't played Toon. Is it Toon? It's not like Tomb Raider, like Tomb Blast. Tune, right. yeah, T-O-O-N, that's what I was like a cartoon. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah, that's blasting tombs wide open. I went through a phase where I was playing a lot of uh, what's called Disney Emoji Blitz, huh? And that was really fun. Uh, it was basically like Candy Crush, I think, but with little yeah. Disney characters. Uh, oh yeah, I've got Candy Crush Saga, and I've I okay. like I I got far enough to where it's like now it's just like impossible. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then they and one the, of the reasons. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, then they want you to, like, buy stuff to make it easier, right? Or yeah. to get you past it or whatever, yeah. No, I'll, I will absolutely not yeah. spend a penny <laughs> yeah. on a phone game. If I get through the yeah. five lives without making any progress, uh-huh. I put it away. Sure, yeah. <laughs> It'll be there later. It'll re- refresh its lives or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the reason I can't get too far in Candy Crush is because they don't have a legitimate colorblind mode. Okay. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, and the all the all the things are different shapes, which yeah. is what got me so far. Yeah, because all the candies are different shapes, and oh. then my brain goes, okay, shape first. Yeah, and then uh, the color, I, 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 you know, I connect the dots. Oh, it's you know, yeah. is this color because yeah. of the context of the shape and the color, right? Yes. Uh huh. If it's just a circle with a color, yeah. If it's a blue and purple right next to each other, my brain goes, oh, those are the same thing. Same deal. And in these in these levels. They're basically half of them are are timing timed bombs. Okay. And they're all the same shape, different color. Sure. And I'm like, that, yeah. Like no. it, it it'll just be first of all the the level's really hard. Second of all, it'll just be luck if I line up the right things yeah. at this point. No, that's right? a I mean that's a massive game design oversight right there. That's yeah. that's what that is. Which brings me to my next next uh, question game or game okay two dots. It's okay. like basically just lining up dots and, and drawing, connecting the dots in different mm-hmm. fun ways. Mm-hmm. The colorblind mode, they're all just really nice little circles, right? Yeah. Really simple circles. They're all sure. different colors. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, the colors are a little close. The colorblind mode puts a shape like almost like they make them look like little Skittles to where each color, mm-hmm. it doesn't change the color of it. It's like, okay, now blue has a... a, a plus sign and this oh, one has a minus and okay. this one has a circle and I'm like... <clears throat> Man, these guys are really ahead of the game. Yeah, that's like, smart. That's yeah, smart. they're making it about something other than color. Yeah, Instead wonder, of trying to guess what color I'm going to see okay. nicely, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the percentage of folks who are some variety of colorblind are, like worldwide it's, or domestically yeah, or something? Yeah, I, I don't know the, the percentage, but it's extremely it's, it, common. It's enough to where you're limiting the number of people by a yeah. good margin who are going to be able to play your game if you don't address mm-hmm. that, right? Uh, that yeah, seems, get with it. Yeah, get with Dude, it, Red, guys. Red Dead does it. Oh, is it that right? It changes like the on the map. Like yeah. it changes the uh, the red lines and the red things to like mm-hmm. I don't like a light blue or something. And okay. I'm like sure. super way easier to see for me. Well, that's cool. Um, welcome everybody, to the Common Creatives Podcast. Uh, welcome what, to what, it. What games are are you all playing? Reach out. We want to know because this <laughs> is a video game. <laughs> smash that subscribe button. Um, smash uh, and make sure to hit yeah. that little bell so you get notifications <laughs> of every time we post an episode. Is there a bell? Do we have anything that yeah. has a bell on it? No, that's okay. YouTube. I was going to say I thought that was YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we don't know anything about technology. Welcome to our podcast. No, I haven't been playing phone games, but I'll tell you what I will. I'll tell you what I have been doing, Joe, is reading comic books. 
I have Good. been reading some comic books precisely for this episode. I've been reading other comic books as well, but I read a the the, the technical term is shit ton of yeah. comics mm-hmm. uh, to prep for this episode, and it was a great time. Let me tell you. So, well, I'm I'm happy to hear that because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I've read all those comics yeah. before. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it may or may, ha- yeah. may not have been six years. Sure. Yeah. But I have flipped through many of them <laughs> in prep for this episode. Totally. So this is our first episode where we are talking about someone, I think, our first episode where we were talking about someone who is explicitly a comics creator. Is that right? Yeah. Which is weird. Well, kind of. Yeah, he's 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 mainly a comic creator, but he's also uh um but no, I don't I, I don't think we have talked about just any comic book. Yeah, I don't think so either. Artists which is strange cuz like, like that's sort of that's like what I'm that's one of the things that you and I are both really into and it's like the only yeah. reason that I get to get to be called the doc on here is because of comic books. So, we're coming in late with this one, but this one we're talking about Scott Snyder, who is yes. I guess he's a comics writer, but he's also just an author more broadly. Yeah, a writer. So, yeah. Just a writer in general. Yeah. So Scott Snyder writes primarily for uh, DC Comics. Um, mm-hmm. It's what he's largely known for. He was born in 1976, so he's 44 at the time that we yep. are recording this. Uh, he was actually born on New Year's Day, which I thought was fun. That is fun. Yeah. He's best known for... Well, what's he best known for? What do you know him for? I would say he's best known for reviving the Batman in the DC Comicses. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever you're you're brought in to write Batman for Batman number one, yeah, that's pretty cool. That that's is true. Big. I forgot that he wrote Batman. That uh, the beginning Batman of his Batman one. run was Batman number one. Yeah. So for yep. folks who aren't into comics, uh, DC Comics in was it 2011? I think launched. Uh, yeah, I, I believe it was. They launched yeah, something so. called the New Fifty Two, uh, and what the deal with the New Fifty Two was was they basically relaunched all of their. And this is something that comics companies will do. You know, they've got to find ways to keep selling similar, not similar stories, but stories about the same characters in various ways. And one way they do that yeah. is sort of like collectability or like giving you an on-ramp. Like, how likely is it that you'll buy Batman number 869? You know what I mean? But if they can go, hey, here's Batman number one. Not only, first of all, you're going to want to own Batman number one. And then number Indeed. two... You know that you can. That's a good jumping-off point. I can start with number one, and I can get into whatever the story is. So when they did that re- rebrand of the new fifty-two, and they restarted a bunch of, they started like fifty-two different series. Batman number one was written by this guy Scott Snyder. Snot Snot Snyder. And I think the thing regarding this is, I, I think, and especially a lot of our kind of nerd culture friends, the new fifty-two is yeah. kind of a bad word. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like uh, not necessarily considered like a good thing yeah yeah but i think that scott snyder's batman is undeniably good yeah i think i i mean i think that's the outlier yes no i agree and and it's not i don't think that's totally wrong i think a lot of those those titles in the new 52 were really not very good or not not certainly not as good as snyder's batman but snyder's batman pretty unquestionably uh, was good. And he had written the Batman character before in other iterations. He had written for Detective Comics for a little while and yep. stuff like that. Um, but this was when he was given the Batman title. Mm-hmm. But he's also known for... And he was probably given the Batman yeah. title for the run he did on Detective Comics. Yes, right? absolutely. And we'll talk about we'll talk about that run as well um, on into the episode. Uh, he's also known not only for Batman, though. Um, he's written other things. He's written... Uh, he wrote Swamp Thing, also for the New mm-hmm. 52. He wrote a title that you probably read more of than I have called American Vampire. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've got, I've got the first two trades for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also wrote something called The Wake, which was a, a sort of one-off. It was a mini-series. Mini-series, I, I, yeah. I actually got all the uh, got all the uh, singles for that oh, one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't reread The Wake for this, but uh, I remember The Wake being really good. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was good. It was interesting. It's uh, It was one of those where it's like, it's very... Um, kind of past present future kind of storytelling to where yeah. like you're not sure where you are and like i don't know if, if anyone saw that movie underwater which i would actually recommend um, i've heard good things but i haven't seen it yet yeah I, dad and i went and watched it and like you know a lot of people were like i guess not into it and it did really poorly oh really um, uh in the, in the box office yeah but it was like the writing was fun uh and it was tense well done yeah come on like, yeah 
totally. Not not everything's Oscar worthy. It was a good movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'll have to see it. But um, but uh, the, so the idea behind that yeah. that move that movie was uh, you know, these people are deep underwater mining yeah. something, right? Sure. Um, and it's like a little science lab underwater, and then mm. these kind of human like things start coming out of the holes mm. uh, little swimmy things and that it's a similar fun. and that's similar to the wake the yeah. wake is the same thing but with the wake uh, it tells the story of when that happened mm. but then it cross cuts with many 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 years into the future right um, which is pretty fun and interesting yeah that's really cool so so the wake and also american vampire just to be clear right. american vampire and the wake are both original concept uh, comics, yeah. right? He's not. It's not like Batman, where he's picking also up also known stories. as creator owned in the biz. Yes, creator owned. Um, another creator owned that he did was called Witches, and it's spelled yes. with a Y, W Y T C H E S. And it was really, really good. I reread it uh, just to prep for this as well. Really kind of scary, creepy horror comic, and yeah. really, really well done. It's a good. It's it gets to the thing about Scott Snyder's writing that's very distinct that we'll talk about later yeah. on. Cool. Yeah. So. Um, any anything else? Any other major works that he's known for? Before we get into his background yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So the uh, uh, the 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 first thing obviously I read of Scott Snyder's was Batman number one. Yeah. Um. And and that was actually that book was actually my uh, reintroduction into the comic book world. Yeah. From like um. And I'll talk about this more. Kind of yeah. Scott Snyder actually holds a kind of a dear place in my heart for for many reasons, personal reasons mm-hmm. that I'll get into later. Yeah. But after um picking that up and really digging in i kind of dug into the other other stuff that he had done and before he ever wrote a comic book he wrote a collection of short stories called voodoo heart um and voodoo heart um got him attention from stephen king that's right and stephen king picked two of his um short stories from this to publish on one of his things and then you know fast forward to american vampire uh the first trade of american vampire are are stories told between scott snyder and stephen king so scott snyder wrote half of them and stephen king wrote the other half that is wild uh it's wild i had forgotten that about american vampire as we'll talk about king was a big inspiration for snyder even early on in his life Um, yeah and it it really makes sense after kind of if you think about if and if you read some of scott snyder's uh short story prose which i would recommend yeah um it's definitely a different thing than the uh comics but if you have different types of comic book readers right and, uh, yeah. and you're, you'll you'll be able to talk about this more because doctor or whatever but <laughs> sure. you've got you've got the uh you've got the dialogue bubbles and then you have the inner inner monologue sure. first person yeah. squares right yep. yep um and scott scott snyder uh really thrives in those squares i think yes um like a prose writer yes you're you're absolutely right it's sort of uh it's a way to introduce exposition and not just exposition but sort of i don't know what you would call it thematic exposition or something yeah Uh, it's a way to introduce those elements that are not present in the scene that you're seeing in a comic yeah and and we'll get into it for those yeah for those who don't read comics uh it would be anything in a book that doesn't have quotation marks around it, yeah, or anything in a voiceover in a movie. <laughs> yeah, true. Voiceover so, in a movie is a very good uh, parallel. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so let's jump into Snyder's background a little bit. So Scott Snyder graduated from. I'll talk about. We'll talk about his childhood later because there's a couple cool anecdotes that he talks about a lot. Yeah. But he graduated <laughs> from Brown University in '98. Um, he had a, he got a degree in creative writing, and then also he worked at Walt Disney World for about a year. Which yeah, uh, I think um, ended up influencing some of his writing, some of the themes he likes to write about and stuff. Have you did have you heard him speak about that time on the uh, Fat Man, Batman, Fat Man on Batman podcast? Uh, I have a long time ago. I didn't revisit that yeah. interview for this, but yeah. Oh man, it's it's worth if you want to dig up um, after you listen to this. If you if you're interested to hear more of Scott Snyder talking, go yeah. to Fat Man on Batman the scott snyder episode well now it's called fat man beyond so you may have to oh they've retitled it so don't don't do that kev (laughs) well they did it because he lost a bunch of weight so uh no it's still fat man never mind i was thinking that's why oh it's because it's not on Batman. it's because it's not about batman anymore yeah Yeah. anyway throwing shade pop pop culture stuff yeah (laughs) yeah but no i remember that interview being very very good so he worked at Walt Disney World, but he didn't just work at Walt Disney World. He was a character, right? Um, so, and I forget in, in what you Wal- in Walt Disney World, he started as in, in uh, as a custodian. Yeah. So his job was to 
Disney's whole thing is like it's got to be clean, it's got to smell good, it's got to appear to be the happiest place on earth. Yeah. So it was his job to like if someone threw up, get it immediately. If someone littered, get it immediately. And you you know it's basically this whole like almost like underground tunnels of like custodians making sure this thing is yeah. spotless, right? Sure. And then uh, eventually, uh, I guess a job opening opened up for uh, one of the yeah there there is a name for them they're not actors right yeah they're, like they're not actors or characters or, yeah actors characters something along those lines i can't remember yeah not mascot we'll call him, <laughs> no we'll, we'll call him a character so sure. one, some of the characters opened up and you know he got to play those and uh he actually really enjoyed it he enjoyed the performance and the i guess the attention of it yeah and eventually it got to the point where he was doing so well if i remember this correctly it's been a while since i've listened but yeah uh he got <laughs> He got offered, um, but again, he was doing it so well. He was a shorter guy, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't get to play the the big, cool characters, right? Yeah. He had to play yeah. the smaller, shorter characters. But he was so good at it that he got uh, invited to be a, a character mm-hmm. uh, at Walt Disney Tokyo, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, because generally people are shorter there. Sure, yeah. And he he would have been able to play the princes and Buzz Lightyear oh. and all those characters. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yeah. and you know, in his head, he's like, oh, this is a big upgrade. Like, I'll I'll be respected there. And but then, like, I think his his girlfriend or something at the time said, hey, listen, like, if you do this, you're never gonna go and become the writer you wanted mm-hmm. to be. So come home, start writing, and he did, and great things happened for yeah. him. But he almost <laughs> instead moved to Walt or Tokyo and became a Buzz Lightyear oh, for it's so, a that's career. That's so fun. <laughs> that's so fun. But at, at yeah. the same time, though, and we'll get into this later, he's such a good storyteller yeah. that I don't know how much of whether or not that's completely accurate matters. That's a very interesting um, point. Yeah. Because any story he tells, whether it's about him meeting Greg Capullo and and, and the tension they had, or yeah. him getting Jock to to be the artist on yeah. uh, his DC com- or D- Detective Comics, the thing that he had to out drink him in order to like get yeah. him to, it's like it's all just great storytelling, and it <sighs> probably didn't happen exactly that way. Man, but he, it doesn't matter. This right? is see, this is the juice. This is why you come to this podcast because this is why I never would have thought of that. I am so credulous. And I'm just realizing it in this moment. When he tells stories about his private life, I just go, oh, wow, that's cool. Um, but <laughs> so you're totally. <laughs> well, he lives a really interesting life. <laughs> yeah, you are totally correct that I am sure that not everything that he's. He is such a good storyteller. Yeah, that's a great point. There's, there's an anecdote yeah. that he talks about from his childhood that inspired the book Witches that I'll bring up in a little bit. And even now thinking back on reading his telling of that little anecdote it's like well some of this stuff is a little inflated yeah. you know what i mean yeah and it, just to make it juicier and, and it makes job. it better yes. yeah 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 and that's i mean yeah that's it, it's like you know it's like big fish like when his yes. you know that move the tim burton movie where he's like just tell me the truth and he's like i am telling you the truth but i'm just making it yeah. more fun it's yeah. like it's all there it all happened but <laughs> yeah. you know like yeah what what's the harm in like you know and each time you tell a story, you're going to add something. And it's just yeah. human nature, storytelling, the yeah. way we, you know, any anytime you say, tell somebody what happened to you at the store the other day, hopefully it wasn't rubbing elbows with somebody at this point. Yeah. But you're, you're you know, you're going to add, add a little something, even if it's sub- subconscious, just to, you know. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about uh, a little bit about his childhood and his early experiences with writing. I have a few quotes about that. Cool. That I want to dig into. So one of the first places... Um, Speaking of stories and anecdotes from his childhood, when I've uh, read him talking about his early experiences with storytelling and with knowing that he wanted to be a writer or a storyteller, he talks about his experience going to a camp, like a sleepaway camp. And he, it was like a sports camp. And he said that he was like a chubby, nerdy kid who didn't really you know, want to do sports or whatever. And so he was just yeah. miserable there. Um, he was already afraid from being away from his family and away from his parents and everything. And then, so he was afraid all day long because he had to do these competitive things and it was this very team-oriented type situation. And then beyond that, one of his counselors brought a book by Stephen King with him. 
and decided that uh, the counselor decided he was going to read a chapter or so every night that the kids were there to the kids in the dark. Gotcha. So that by the end of the camp, they would have finished the book. And I forget what it was. It was something of the dragon. I don't. I don't know. I should have yeah. should have written that down. But it was. Uh, it was. Um, it's one of those that w- like has horror moments in it, but it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like Carrie or something. And right. so, nonetheless, he talked about how it started, and he was so scared of hearing the story every night. But then after a few nights, he was just completely addicted to hearing these Stephen King chapters at the end of every night, and it, he would look forward to it and all this kind of stuff. And he talked about that being sort of one of the early experiences where he was like, I just want to write. This is just what I want to do, right? Yeah. I want to tell stories. And I think the Stephen King parallel is going to come up over and over, not just because they know one another, yeah. but because their concerns as writers are very similar. Right. So I have a, I have a quote where he's talking about some of, the, some of his favorite or most influential authors. And in this one, he talks about King and he also talks about Neil Gaiman. So he says um, something to the extent of what I like are the, the sort of the best Stephen King stories or Neil Gaiman stories do. Uh, To me, they penetrate your deep, very real and intimate anxieties about things, whether they are personal demons or their fears about the world itself at that moment. They do it in a way that speaks through genre or speaks through a crazy sort of cartoonish extensions of life, and yet they do it in a really piercing way. I was a pretty avid King fan, and I still am. That was from an interview that he did with a website called Geeks Worldwide. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) but, but, um, this notion of like digging into personal anxieties and personal demons and using these big sort of cartoonish genre features to dig at those psychological yeah. anxieties and stuff, I think that's that can give you a key insight into Snyder's work when you're looking Absolutely. through it. Absolutely, yeah. Because that's a lot of what he does. You know, I, th- I think, you know, that is very similar to <clears throat> Stephen King and... Um, and I've thought about, I've thought very little about the similar similarities in, in those two, Stephen King and Scott Snyder. Yeah. I think when I, I had read Stephen King kind of growing up a little bit, yeah. um, not much. I knew a lot about the movies and stuff growing up, sure. but when I first got Voodoo Heart, which he, I think he wrote in 2006, so it was pretty well before, three or four years before he got into comics at all. Mm-hmm. When I grabbed this and I started reading this, it wasn't until like, uh, more recently that I really got into Stephen King, and then now I'm putting it together now, like, yeah. oh, of course Stephen King would have picked up Scott Snyder's prose and and, and wanted to work with him on, like, a an original comic, because, like, sure. there are a lot of similarities, and I'm sure that, you know, he does see uh, kind of a, a kindred spirit there, or like a... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, well, let's talk about... Um, do you want to jump in and talk about, like, his Batman run? Because I think that's going to probably be the most... Uh, clear on ramp for people who are listening yeah, who might have heard of sure. Scott Snyder before. They might have read his his um, his Batman run or something like that. But we can at least talk about it, and then maybe we can use that as a way to sort of untangle what it is that Scott Snyder does, you know, as a writer yeah. and his process and stuff like that. So he starts with Batman number one. He's written the Batman character before this. He wrote a run called The Black Mirror. He wrote um, a really good run called Cold Case Files. Did you ever read either of those? I read uh, Black Mirror, but I never read Cold Case Files. Okay, Cold Case. Black Mirror was the, was the uh, the Jim Gordon Jr. Right? No, story? that's that's Cold Case Files. Or no, I'm oh, sorry, Ske- Skeleton Cases is what it's called. I apologize. Skeleton Cases. Um, skeleton Cases. Yeah, that's that. Black Black Mirror is one where there's this secretive uh, sort of cult of. It's like a secretive evil auction house where very very rich Gothamites go to buy um, memorabilia associated with Gotham's most terrible criminals. So like they okay. they bid on like the crowbar that beat Robin to death and stuff like that. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. And th- is that all Dick Grayson Batman at that time? Yeah, Dick Grayson, who most folks will know as Robin, was Batman yeah. in the comics at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, he writes that stuff earlier on, but really, I guess where he makes his big mark, at least in mainstream the mainstream mind, is Batman number one uh, with a with a run called Court of Owls. Yeah, and. Uh, Court of Owls is, I don't know what to say about Court of Owls. Uh, what, do, what comes to mind when uh, I bring that up for you? That's, I know it's an important story for both of us, sort of personally. Yeah, so Batman number one is what I reread when we started talking about this. And yeah. let, let me read some of the, uh, the first words of, yeah. so his very first words on Batman number one. Let's see. So every Saturday, the Gotham Gazette uh, includes a small lifestyles piece called Gotham Is... 
In the column, random Gothamites are asked to complete the sentence Gotham is using three words or less. The Gazette has been uh, running the Gotham is column for years, ever since I was a boy. Here are some of the words used to describe Gotham in the past few weeks. Damned. Cursed. Bedlam. Murderous. Gotham is villainous. Gotham is a losing game. Gotham is helpless. Once in a while, someone names one of the city's villains as their answer to the Gotham is question. Usually it's some kid, a teenager going for shock value. But now and then, uh, someone actually tries to make the argument that the city is best reflected in its villains. For example, Gotham is Two-Face, meaning Gotham is a city at odds with itself. Or Gotham is Killer Croc, meaning the city is little more than a cannibalistic monster. I've seen a few Mr. Freezes, two black masks. Lately, I've seen a couple new names appear too. For me, Gotham's for me, Gotham's criminals, whether old or new, will never define this city, because in the end, they're simple, simple and cowardly, ruled by predictable desires. <laughs> and then it goes on to yeah, talk about how you know yeah. I mean, I think that's a great passage that shows yeah. the strength of his writing. First of all, sure. Yeah, I don't know what 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 did that bring up for you? What did you think when you were reading this? just his in of using uh first of all like starting his batman off with like making gotham like uh a character right yeah and and his using using the people of gotham in a, in a column is just really interesting through the voice of you know bruce or batman um yeah what do you think uh, no i mean i think that's absolutely true i think making the place a character is a big part of his batman i mean gotham is central and not only that but not making it sort of this amorphous thing but making it like he's putting it in the mouths of you know fictional gothamites who live there yeah and so that allows it to be sort of more specific psychologically so yeah. Go- gotham is two-faced it's divided against itself gotham is killer croc it's just cannibalistic and blah 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 and and so i don't know i think that that focus on psychology and on re- i mean really just character he has yeah. a he has a heavy focus on character which is one of the things that i wanted to get to and i think we see that in his batman run it's very much about the characters and their specific experiences and reactions and so forth in the world rather than even at the same time that you have these big sort of action pieces going on and batman's punching people yeah. in the face and all this so yeah no no i think you're right so um court of owls has uh, introduces a new villain or a new sort of uh, league of villains called the court of owls uh and i've heard him talk about this where he was he when he got the chance to write batman he thought batman's arch nemesis classically in all the comics and everything is the joker and he was thinking well why yeah. on earth you know why on earth would a clown be opposed to a bat just like thematically and he was like what is it that actually uh, is opposed to bats and he was like the actual natural predator of a bat is not a clown but is an owl and so right. he was like you know so i'll just build this and the whole thing with that villain that he or those villains that he writes is it begins with bruce bruce wayne who's batman having these people start talking about the court of owls as if they're this mythological order or society or cult that has long existed that has existed long before batman and and that is involved um has been involved in the wayne's lives going back generations and stuff like that so that he feels like and and scott snyder sort of uses that to make batman feel alienated in gotham so that yeah uh, because at the beginning there which is which is once again this brilliant writing uh, at the beginning there batman is defining gotham he's saying none of these things define gotham and the implication there is i know this place this is my city and i know what's going on and then he slowly uh sort of undermines that he undermines the sort of certainty that this person understands the place that they're in and he does it in a sort of i mean a lot of his stuff has a sort of horror undertone to it, even his Batman yeah. stuff. And I think that's how he does it in Court of Owls is he makes he makes Bruce Wayne think, maybe I don't know this city. Maybe I'm not in control, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So it's just really well done, really good writing. Right. No, I agree. Um, he found an interesting way to kind of not completely reboot the character, right? Which yeah. can be confusing for anyone kind of stepping in. Like, yeah. Because the assumption is that all of these stories that you've ever heard of Batman have happened in the canon. <laughs> yeah. Of, which is like, come on, guys. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. We yeah. don't have to be. The, we don't have to be that, right? Sure. But, you know, for him kind of going 
instead of moving super far into the future, he's like digging way before like any anything yes. else and creating like the thing that was there before yeah. you know all the stuff that you've already seen is is really smart. Yeah, it is really smart. And then as the story unfolds, it 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 turns. I mean, I won't completely spoil it, but it it turns out that the Court of Owls might have something to do with the lineage of Bruce Wayne's family itself, and he really leaves yeah. it. And this is another thing that I want to talk about that he does a lot. He likes ambiguity with his plots. Yeah. He likes mm-hmm. it. He likes to leave it in a spot where he's given you enough evidence for two or three different theories about what's going on, and he just yeah. kind of leaves you there. And he doesn't wrap it up. And he likes to. And and this is an this is a story that does that. And he does it in a few stories. I don't know if he does that in the wake or not. He does it in a few parts of witches, but he he really likes giving you this sort of well, it could be this or it could be that, and we're just going to leave it there. And I don't know. For me, I think one thing that that shows about his concerns as a writer is he is interested in the psychological resolution, right? Or, right. or the where the where the psychology of the character lands, such that it's really not about what happened. And he sort yeah. of puts his foot down pretty clearly. And yeah. uh, that that does two things. The first thing it does yeah. is the psychological basically just puts the focus on character right yeah definitely which for you know is my taste personally definitely. but the set, second thing it does with a character like this yeah. is it, it it doesn't pin him up and t- up to a wall because like yeah. there are so many stories that have been told like yeah you know if if he says anything too 100% definitive then it's like yeah. It's it's like it's like writing the Joker. It's like yeah. I don't know. It's like at this point, it feels it should feel more mythic than anything. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any Do you have any thoughts that you want to voice about his writing of the Joker? Because I know that's a really really popular character, and I think he did a really great take on him. Uh, but I didn't I didn't happen to reread the the run. Yeah, but I was I was curious. I know I haven't I, reread it either. Um, sure. I mean, he he makes some really bold choices with the Joker. Yeah. Um, he cuts the Joker's face off. That's right. That's right. And it, what's interesting too is his introduction of the Joker mm-hmm. uh, in this run is actually not even the Joker at all. It's Dick Grayson in the Joker mask. Oh, that's right. Yeah, at the beginning of Court <laughs> of Owls. Yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I haven't. He did some big things with the Joker later on, right? He did yeah. Zero Year, which uh, uh, Zero Year was uh, Riddler. It was like a retelling of the early. Okay, what's yeah. the one before Zero Year? You're thinking of after Court of the Owls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, Death, Death of the Family. Death yeah. of the Family. Death of the family because the death in the family was a classic one. No. It was a classic story where Joker killed Robin. Is, is that the is that the new Red Hood? Red. Yes, that's. Red? I think that's okay. death of the family. Yeah. Well, for some reason, I thought it was something else, but again, it's been it's been a long time. Sure. I've read all of these and yeah. Um, well, and part of what he does with the Joker, just for folks who haven't read it, is he does that ambiguity thing again, where he makes yeah. it sort of about what is the Joker, and the ambiguity that he leaves with the Joker is. Is the Joker supernatural or not, basically? Do, yeah. do you remember that? I mean, there's this sort of notion of like, maybe yeah. the Joker is this very old demon that has sure. always been around. It's sort of like the move that he does with the Court of Owls. Like, maybe the Joker has been around longer than anyone could yeah. ever think, right? Maybe he's more like Pennywise the Clown than he is just like a gangster. But he leaves it ambiguous enough, and he never he never fully commits to that. But he leaves enough threads to where it's like, oh, maybe, right? And so yeah, <laughs> it's right. kind of like the uncertainty about the nature of the Joker becomes part of what's yeah. so scary about him, uh, which, again, really, really smart. Yeah, no... That's, have, you, have you have you met Scott Snyder? No, no, I haven't. No, did you meet him? I ha- I've met him a couple times. Oh wow! Very briefly. Very at, cool. At cons. Uh, wow. The first time was in 2013. Yeah. At uh, Comic Con, uh, San Diego Comic Con. Sure. And uh, I went up to him and I shook his hand and you know told him, "Hey, thanks for getting me back into comics," kind of thing. And yeah. I can't remember what he said. I think he said something. I think I think he said, "Welcome back to the neighborhood." Or oh something my god! Like that. That's just so, so good. Cool. That's so it was perfect. So cool. It's like, he, and he, 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 you know, he he turned my introduction back into comics into yeah. like a its own little small story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you ever go, and I'm sure you've you've heard him on on podcasts, and I'm sure you've watched interviews and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but like. When he speaks at cons, like you can tell, he he cares a lot about the the mythos, and he's he uh, sees it as a big responsibility to carry Batman. Yeah. But when he talks about the stories and what he's doing and what he has done, he he, he talks in these kind of big narrative like 
mythic yeah. ways. Even I about things it's, that have actually happened, like in his actual, yeah, yeah in um, his actual life. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, uh, that actually reminds me of what I mentioned earlier, which is that anecdote that he talked about from uh, his childhood, where he's talking about witches. Witches is a great run. Have you read that? Uh, I I read the first issue okay. like years ago, but I, I never got the trade. Yeah, it's a mini series, and there's only like six issues in it or something. But I highly recommend it to everybody. It's a it's a weird and new take on witches that uh, is nothing like any sort of witch that you've read. But right. no, nonetheless, in the back, as I was reading, he throws a little like two to three page thing talking about some of his influences for creating the characters and why he's telling the story and why it's important to him and all this stuff. And he talks about it as like a way to write through anxieties that he's had and all this kind of stuff. And he talks about when he was a kid, his parents had like um, had like a farm, like not a farmhouse, but like a, a country cabin or something like that, like a vacation home outside of the city. Because uh, I know he was like brought up or grew up at least in New York City, which influenced right, yeah. a lot of his Batman stuff. But he uh, also absolutely. had, they had like a summer home in Pennsylvania, I think, or something like that. And it was like lots of woods, really dense greenery and stuff like that. And he talked about there was this kid who lived close by and he and this other kid would go out into the woods and play. And then because the woods were so dense and kind of creepy, they um, would start telling each other stories about these monsters that were out in the woods and they would start going out and hunting after these monsters. And then for some reason they settled on as they would tell each other these stories they settled on this idea that there were witches and warlocks out there and that they were going to go out and hunt them and find them and then he says one day they were out there and the kid screamed the other kid screamed and said no stay away and Scott Snyder turned around didn't see anything and the kid said I just saw something that was like nine feet tall and it looked around that tree and then it turned out it was just another tree it was another tree like moving in the wind or something like that but this sort of influenced the way that he thought about the witches that were in those woods in his mind right such that there were these enormous tree-like beings that were out there and so he tell he talks about going back to those woods as an adult and this is why your insight that he's just a storyteller is so is so you know relevant or so um insightful to me is he talks about going back out there as an adult and he says i walked out there and sure enough i screamed when i saw a witch standing behind you know one of the trees and then of course the light shifted and it was just another tree but my heart was racing and i had you know whatever all this kind of stuff yeah but he he just talks about like the way he delivers his anecdotes and the way he writes them i'm not even i'm not really doing them justice the sort of emphasis that he's able to convey with his language is just really really good but he has he has a quote uh in the back of the witch's uh, issues that talks about his relationship to horror or his sort of philosophy on horror and what he thinks it does. And I think it's really interesting in the context of how we've been talking about it because it shows up in the Batman stories that we've been talking about and his notion right. of ambiguity. Uh, so he says in the back of it, great horror takes the things that we find safety in and turns them menacing. Your friendly neighbors plotting against you, your own child coming back evil sleep being a place you can die, uh, a road trip with friends suddenly becoming a nightmare, the world you know turning on you. Classic monsters are enduring, I think, because they offer ways of expressing this. Zombies are your friends and loved ones coming back to kill you, vampires too, werewolves, the people you know turning murderous, your own body changing and becoming unfamiliar. And so I think that's, you know... That's kind of what we were talking about when we talked about what he does with the Court of Owls, which is like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Gotham is Batman's home, but guess what? He doesn't really know it, and it turns it turns bad on him. You know, that kind of right. thing. It's it's horror. It's, it's horror. horror. It's horror. Yeah. Other thoughts about him? I don't know. Why don't... How about you You find out after, after, this, after these messages? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all come back now, you hear? That's, is that, that's good. That's good. Don't it? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> My name is Matt Langston, and I play in a band called Eleventy Seven. I'm an artist, a producer, and I also host my own podcast right here on Rock Candy called Eleventy Life. We talk with the people behind your favorite songs and albums, from the writers to the producers and everyone in between. And we're not asking your favorite artists the same old boring questions like, where did your band name come from? And who's your favorite Friends character? We're asking questions like, why did your marriage fail? Where does love come from? Is God real? It is a show about the importance of creativity and pursuing your passions, and we don't let guests leave until it gets a little bit uncomfortable so check it out right here on rock candy and your favorite podcast app
Well, that sounds like a good show. Let me tell you that. Yeah, maybe even there was more than one. Or was there just maybe. one? There's just one. Oh. <laughs> could have been two. Well, it could have been two, but I didn't put two in there, I promise. Oh, there's one. I always just put one. I always just I like one. that ad advertissimo. Yeah, me too. That's not... <laughs> Oh man. All right, let's go. Man, so yeah. being cooped up at home so much, like do you just feel kind of tired? <laughs> Dude, I feel very lot? tired. Yes. I feel That's very, stupid. very tired. It's very dumb. I think part of the reason that I feel so tired is because my coffee intake has gone through the roof now that I'm oh, home. Oh God, don't yeah. get me started Dude, on the anxiety. Uh, juice yeah me and chris will just we'll just go through a full pot in the morning and then after lunch it's like you know what sounds good <laughs> like another full pot <laughs> so we just You're, been just talking about it right now like i know if i drink one more yeah cup of coffee yeah man at five o'clock yeah i'm gonna be so anxious and yep. panicked anxious, about everything panicked miserable. but you know what mm. you know it sounds really good oh, right god, now it sounds so good cup of coffee cup of coffee cup of steaming coffee oh yeah yeah see the thing is like i feel like after about uh two to three hours after a cup of coffee you get the first sip like good feeling again you know you get that little boost yeah. of like oh it's the first sip of a cup of coffee you get that again if you give it about three hours to wear off so <sighs> that's yeah. the thing yeah. yeah i got that i got that post coffee yawn going yeah, on man. right now <laughs> and it's cold outside i know right, right? oh jeez. All right, so Scott Snyder, let's uh, let's talk about him a little more. You said uh, you had read uh, American Vampire uh, a while back. Yep. Uh, a while back, uh, and for those of you who haven't read it, it's uh, it said it's essentially a um, uh, the look at um, I think the 1920s. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, well, it it's tracks this vampire. Back, doesn't it track back before that into like the Old West in like the 1890s or something? Or is it is it? It 19- does. Okay. And I think that's another one of those, just like the wake. You know, with the wake, he plays with uh, kind of jumping timelines a lot. So there's this yeah. vampire named Skinner, I mm-hmm. think Skinner Sweet. That or something sounds like right. That. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, he's a old west guy who got turned into a new breed of vampire. So you have all these. Oh, okay. Um, but you you have this uh, new v- breed of vampire. Guess what it's called? What's it called? The American Vampire. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it checks out. <laughs> and yeah, yeah and uh, I, I forget the difference. I don't know if they're like a day walker or something. There's something different about these vampires that I just can't remember. Like, yeah. I loved it so much, right? That I can't even. Anyway, <laughs> sure. That's it's a while been a long back. time, yeah, yeah, y'all. Yeah, sure. um, it was like 2011, I think, uh-huh. when it came out. Yeah. And it's like nine years ago. And uh, it tr- it tracks this guy. And he goes, it, and then it kind of jumps in time a little bit to like to the 1920s. Yeah. And then he meets uh, a young woman, like a struggling actress in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And her name is like Pearl or something cool as yeah. hell like that. Yeah. Pearl Jones, I think. Oh, nice. And um, sure. she like gets like maybe attacked by a group of old vampires. And to save her, he gives her some of his blood, turning her into an American vampire. Yeah. So just just this genre stuff about like creating a whole new breed of vampire and like throwing it in 1920s Hollywood. Come on, that's yes. awesome. And of course, he yeah. he ends. Imagine that with Stephen King writing half the stories in the first like ten. Oh, you know, most the first definitely. Ten, it may have been a thing where each issue, single issue, was half and half. Yeah, where they, Scott Snyder wrote the first half and Stephen gotcha. King wrote the second half. Yeah, or maybe like one of them wrote wrote the Western story and one of them wrote the uh, story of uh, Pearl or something. Gotcha. But it's it's just so cool. Like, oh my god, I'd if that was a movie, I'd watch it right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's that's something like so for me like getting back into comics in like two thousand. It was probably about 2011, right? That, that was when the that was when the new 52 you. dropped. So yeah, that was probably yeah, that was I probably mean, a big thing. It know, might have been a little before that, but that was when you and I yeah, probably a little before that. Um, and you know, I Tiff and I were in in, in Florida, I think, visiting her grandpa, and we went to a comic yeah. book shop, and I bought the the Batman New 52 first trade. So sure. I guess this was like a year or so into yeah, it, right? yeah, mm-hmm. uh, or six months or so into it. However many are in a trade. And just picking that up and just feeling this warm, fuzzy feeling of like, oh, this is what, this is all I used to do is reading comic books and like kind of reconnecting. And at that time for me, uh, it was at the end of my, uh, 
it's uh, generous to call it a career, but uh, it was the end of my career as a touring musician, no, right? No, sure, yeah. Um, and for me at that time, like, uh, my identity was completely the lead singer of a band. Yeah. Like, that's who I was, and that's that's mm-hmm. how I define myself. Yeah. And when that went away, I'm like, oh, so I'm... What 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 am I? Who am I? And what do I do? Right. Definitely, yeah. Picking up comic books, uh, and Scott Snyder was my in for some reason. He was yeah. my in. Yeah. Uh, and picking up those comic books for me yeah. was uh, kind of helped fill a little bit of identity. First of all, just because it's like reconnecting with who I was before the whole band thing, right? Yeah. Um, and second of all, uh, it reconnected me with my dad. Oh um, yeah. yeah. Not that my dad and I were ever really disconnected sure, but um sure when you just get in a van for like eight solid years like yeah. you don't spend a lot of time with your dad or yeah. your mom or anybody but definitely uh so after that you know dad and i started calling each other talking about different comic books and mm-hmm. uh planning different trips to go to different comic cons so like when we went to comic con and i met scott snyder dad was there and yeah so that that whole thing there, and and that led to me like just really getting into creator own comic books because like yeah. the idea of creating these new interesting characters in any kind of world you wanted, sure, uh, really got me interested again in movies, which I loved movies as a kid, and then yeah. I wanted to start writing music for movies again. And yeah, so Scott Snyder is the reason I'm doing everything. I, that's not true, yeah, but you right. know what I mean. Like, no, sure, yeah. Like that was kind of the the inciting incident for me of Definitely. getting back into something creative. Yeah. After having uh, feeling like I was mourning the death of yeah. part of me, yeah, certainly. And so. there is, I mean, you know, as a as a as a dude who does philosophy of comics, there are huge differences between comics and film. They're not the same thing. They don't engage no. us in the same ways. But the analogies are understandable. You know, yeah. they are both visual mediums that involve depicting things for example and they do that in very very different ways but it's not for no reason that when you're plotting out you know shots of a film you want to you know draw you want to draw the shots storyboard you want want a storyboard yeah exactly you want to do that and a storyboard is not a comic but at the same time uh it's not for no reason that those two are often sort of not confused necessarily but are sort of analogized with one another so it makes sense well i mean and how how many different how many different original uh comic book titles get picked up by movie you know studios definitely or or, you know television like walking dead versus the walking dead yeah (laughs) well and and that makes sense too because comics are are such a uh because they're a pictorial medium you have to have things happening in the comics we don't have to but often you have things happening in the comics that work for visuals you know just having characters have dialogue back and forth even if it's interesting dialogue that's there are comics that do that, but the like wildly successful sort of mainstream comics, that's not what they're up to. They're doing yeah. things where they can show you something happening, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense. Yeah. And would... well, and, and, you know, the same thing with, with being a filmmaker, you know, like I've yeah. often talked to different writers who want to write screenplays, but they'd really, they don't realize it, but what they want to be doing is writing prose, you know? Yeah. They're less interested in the visual, and yeah. um, but you know, movies are you know, yeah, I want to be a movie. No, like you know, yeah. you just want to tell stories. You just want to tell. You're not story. worried about the way in which that story is being told. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with a comic book. You know, comic book is a very collaborative medium. Yeah. Where if you can't, you know, if you're a writer and you can't draw, then like, and you don't have an artist friend, then yeah, comic books are not what you should be yeah. writing. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just went down a tan. I went down a hole. <laughs> No, I mean, uh, it, help I, me out of my hole. <laughs> I can. The way to the way to segue back into Scott Snyder is to say that the reason he is so good, and I haven't read his uh, prose, which I would need to do. Uh, but the, you should. It's 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 very good. Yeah. Do you know if he's written anything since Voodoo Heart? I didn't see anything. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, that's the thing. Like you, you you write something and then you become a rock star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing That's another thing else, yeah. in a different medium. It's yeah. like. I, I'm sure he's been asked a hundred times when his next collection's coming out. He's probably like, yeah. "I'm good. I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, he has the, he has the keys to the kingdom at DC, from my understanding at this point. Yeah. He's working on a Wonder Woman story, I believe, and he's doing a lot of stuff. So that said, though, the way to get back from talking about movies in those ways to and different mediums to talking about 
Scott Snyder is the reason he's such a good comics writer is because he has all the strengths of a prose writer in his comics. Exactly. But he also knows how to incorporate those elements into what is strong about comics, which is letting big, splashy, interesting, pulpy, sort of plot-based things happen because he's writing superhero comics. So... Yeah, this this brings me to sort of what I want to say my my thesis of thinking about Scott Snyder's work for the past week and a half <laughs> has come <laughs> down to, which is he has this technique that he uses of giving, and it has to do with what you were saying using the sort of the sort of box shaped. Um, there's a term for them. Go look up Neil. Cohen. Yeah, I He's forget. Asked, yeah, uh, yeah. I forget. It's well, you're allowed to forget. I should know this. Uh, nonetheless, yeah. um, nonetheless, like exposition boxes or whatever. He uses those in a way that gives small details from characters' past experiences and very, very small details. You know, remembering the texture of a whatever it was, and he gives yeah. them in ways that connect the character's past experiences in ways that sort of thematically dovetail with whatever the big high action of the comic is. Right, because yeah. like any, anything that can be shown yeah. is on the page, right? Yeah. It's, it's a drawing. Yes. So anything that can be felt or yeah. or, or the, anything that relates like to the senses, right? Yeah. Or uh, Especially the visual know, sense. He, yeah. He's writing prose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so like, for example, in Witches, there's a scene where this won't spoil anything, where one of the main characters is trying to crawl out of, crawl up and out of this very deep hole that they are in. And it's this scary... Like I was in. Yes, there you go. And <laughs> and it's this like scary situation and et cetera, et cetera. But while that's happening, and that's the sort of main part of the story, while that's happening, it is, to- it is cross-told with something that's happened a far time in the past where that same character was trying to climb up a Ferris wheel that was sitting there and when when in the past event when the character is crawling up a ferris wheel it means one thing for like this character's relationship with someone else in their family and then it that thematically dovetail with them them trying to crawl out of this hole in a sort of horror situation and what that means for this character's own life and also their continued relationship with that family member and so it's just the meaning is stacked in ways and so this this helps him to sort of like frame his plot points in terms of the themes that he's exploring within a given story exactly and and you know if if you imagine trying to do that in a a movie like how confusing that would right exactly like yeah. it's kind of the best of both worlds if you yeah. if you want to like if you like a visual medium but you're also just like you know you're a prose writer right yeah, yeah. um you can play with both mediums at once to where yes. like the way you consume a comic book is not the way you consume a book which is yeah. not the way you consume a uh, yeah you know with a comic book you can spend as much time as you want just kind of letting your eyes roam around on the page you know yes the author or the or the the sorry the uh, artist yeah. You know his skill set is to try to help guide your eye where he wants it to go, sure. but at the end of the day, it's your choice, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the this is one of the reasons. Let, let me. Here's where I get to be nerdy. Uh, this is one of the reasons that comics and film do not engage us in a similar way because time right. in film is completely determined by the editor, the director, whoever. I guess it comes down to the editor, but yeah, that's what time is determined by. We are when we are audience members to a film, we are passive recipients of a sort of timeline whereas when we engage with a comic to some extent we are passive recipients because like you know if i only want a scene to last for one panel on a comics page then that to some extent constrains your view into that scene however the time that the real world time that it takes me to engage with a particular scene is completely up to me as a reader it's not really up no that's true it's not really up to the writer or the artist and i really find when i'm reading a comic book how engaged I really am yeah. if I just either just want to get through it or if I want to savor it, right? Yes, like yes. just kind of skimming the images and then like just kind of zooming through the words. Yeah. Like that's yeah. like a, I, I kind of want to know what happens, but I like I'm ready for the next one. But yes. otherwise, like with, with these Batman comics, when I first got back into comics, like yeah. almost 10 years ago yeah. or 10 years ago, however long it was, like with especially with Greg Capullo's art, like I was just sitting on those pages yes. and just, just 
you know, just soaking in it. Absolutely. And and I remember doing that too because like at the time I was not studying comic books academically and, and reading those books were some of the experiences, me getting back into comics in that way were some of the experiences for me to go to my like professors I was working with and just be like, I'm gonna do comic books. And they were like, What? You're gonna you're gonna write your dissertation on comic books? I was like, Yes, I am. They were like, Are you sure? I was like, Absolutely, let's do it. Like I'm I'm done doing anything else. I want to do that. And the reading yep. reading of Snyder's Batman run is a big part of why I decided to make that decision. And as you're saying, the the point about sitting and savoring stories in that way is a good one because I feel like when we do that with comic books, or at least when I do, I remember after I had read a comic book or something, several days later, not knowing for sure if I had read it in a comic book, if I had read a particular story or seen a particular scene in a comic book, or if I had seen an animation of it. Yeah, I remember being like, like if I was happening to watch like Batman cartoons or something. Not that I would ever do that, but I would be like, oh, you know, of course not. No, 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 God. Um, <laughs> but like, was that in the Scott Snyder Batman comic, or did I watch a cartoon where that happened? And it's like, to yeah. some extent, my memory has encoded motion there, to in some way. Yeah, you know, and that comes from I think really soaking in the story and soaking in the artwork, such that you richly imagine what's happening between those panels and so forth. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a great way to great way to do it. And Scott Snyder's Batman run is a and really all of his comics are are good on roads to reading stuff like that. That's oh, totally true. Totally yeah. true. But o- overall I think the the thing that I notice the most that is the tool that makes me know <laughs> that a story is a Scott Snyder Scott Snyder story is him giving those little tiny details about yeah. the character's past as a way to frame sort of big high action stuff that's happening in the present. Yeah. So And you know, yeah. I think that that comes from a training in prose like yeah. you know, with with prose like the any like the details, the the you know, yeah. all those little things like, you know, that they you know, a good writer has that. It's Yeah. I'm, I'm very not very articulate and uh if I were writing all this down it would sound way better. <laughs> <laughs> No, totally. I mean, but yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, it is a, it is, it does speak to his prose training. I think. Yeah. Uh, and and the fact that he thinks like a prose writer, and that he cares. Another thing that lets you know that he thinks like a prose writer is because of how much he cares about character. Like as we were yeah. talking about earlier, he cares about character. Plot is important, but plot drives character, and not vice versa. I think yeah. for Scott Snyder. Yeah. Yep. No, and that's my and that's my kind of guy. Yeah, which also explains the analogy to Stephen King because he's very much the same way. Very much the same yeah. way. Yeah, he likes he writes in genre. He writes horror primarily, but it is all about those characters and getting into their psychology and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So no, absolutely it is, and and but he's also just a master at plot. Even though I do feel like it is kind of secondary, it's necessary. Yeah, yeah. For a, for a larger audience. Yes. But um. But that's I think that's meshing of the two things. Like it you really know, is. Uh, uh, if 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 your plot doesn't matter at all, then yeah. like you can still be a great writer and no one will care, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and definitely. Stephen King and sorry, I'm sure you could hear Dolly. She's having a fit. I no, think somebody fine. walked by. <laughs> um, so yeah. you wouldn't you, you don't know what these people are capable of. Yeah. <laughs> like they could walk up to the door and knock on it. They well, could. Oh, they God. could. That's, they I probably mean, that's, won't, but they could. The, that's the nightmare scenario. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the <laughs> or ring the doorbell. Which our yeah. our doorbell is uh, it goes like this clunk <laughs> clunk. <laughs> yeah. That's the weirdest sure. thing I've ever heard in that's my really life. Funny, and she hates it. God, yeah. she hates it. <laughs> yeah, I think when it comes to storytelling in general, like I think what's great about the different mediums is that like not every story is suited for every medium. Yeah. And that's why so many people get so upset when their favorite comic book or their favorite novel is adapted into a movie in a way that didn't suit their interest. It's like, well maybe like the way that it was written on the page or drawn on the page didn't suit the medium of the moving picture. You know what I mean? Yep. They're just not the same thing. There Um, are, there are examples of that that I can think of right offhand. Hellboy being the, prime one uh, which i would love yeah, to do a hellboy yeah. episode at some point but uh but yeah no you're absolutely right there are different strengths and and so forth and so translating stories from one medium to another is not always smooth and it's not always successful for sure but That's, i can't believe there hasn't been an american vampire like netflix series oh like, yeah right right people yeah, yeah people with- it, just just put me in charge <laughs> and roll in the money okay <laughs> 
All right, so that's Joe's. That's that's <laughs> the thought. That's the thought for this for this yeah. episode. Put Joe in charge and roll in the money. Uh, yeah. Do you want to do you want to yeah. rate Scott Snyder? Uh, yeah, I do. I think I would have rated Scott Snyder a lot higher ten mm-hmm. years ago, only because yeah. of his uh, the the amount I consume Scott Snyder. Yeah, and kind of what what. It, but I'm gonna score him a little bit lower than I have been scoring things, just because sure. like. I haven't been reading a lot of Scott Snyder lately. Yeah. Although I do think that's about to change right now. Okay. Sure. But I don't want to rate everybody a ten because that gets boring, right? Yeah, of course. Um, Gotta be critical. So I'm gonna rate him a very low yeah. eight point five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that's as low as I could allow myself sure. to go. Fair enough. What what's it uh what's it called whenever uh embalmed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, eight point five embalmed uh Joker faces. <laughs> Because okay. there's no way that sure. thing could last that long, Ooh, right? Yeah. Well, and if you remember like, from from that r- run, it starts to get brown as it as the story yeah. moves on. Yeah, <laughs> but really but come on, let's it's not going to last as long as it no. did. No, it's not going to last. It's not going to last that yeah. long. <laughs> it's very good. But man, how what how gutsy was it to cut? Yeah. You know, I'm going to just cut the 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 thing the the thing about this character that like you uh, yeah remembers that that big nasty smile. I'm just going to cut it off. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to mess with your expectations. Yeah. His name is Scott <laughs> Snyder. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So we got eight point uh, five. Yeah, he's a he's a ten in my heart. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, we're both yeah, very. He's great. We both have affection for Scott Snyder and his work personally, but. You don't come here just to hear us talk about man. Isn't this awesome? Oh, and you know why this? else? Why you know that? why else I'm why rating him so damn low? Why is that? Because he tweets about his kids a lot instead of uh, stuff I want to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get with it, Scott. What do you think we're here for? Yeah, we're here to talk about kids. Grow up. Well, also, one of his eyebrows is always higher than the Dude, other. It so like is. We didn't thinking. talk about that. He is always. always always arching one eyebrow. Like that's just how his face always. is. always for sure. Yeah, I think that's just. Na- I think that's. I yeah. hope he didn't have like a like a mini stroke or something at some point. Yeah, for but, sure, uh, that's possible. Yeah, who knows? Uh, All right, it's time for you to rate him. Excellent. Um, I am going to. I mean, you did. <laughs> here's the thing. I'm going to seem like an <laughs> asshole. You did a big bunch of talking about how how low you're going to rate him, and I'm going to get him lower than that. <laughs> um, so, uh, I love Scott Snyder. I like a lot of the stuff. I will say the things that are going to bring him down from uh, being a ten for me are going to be that that mechanism that I used or that I talked about that he uses, where he gives little bitty details from a character's past very nuanced very detailed descriptions of past events to frame whatever's happening i like that but at the same time i do think it makes a lot of his characters read kind of similarly just because i kept sure. i kept coming up against like really this character remembers all those tiny little details from their past also yeah. in these relevant ways totally um so that was part yeah. of it also like any comics writer uh he can get stretched thin uh, DC Comics, when they've got a cash cow, they're like, hey, why don't you write eight series all at once? And so... Um, yeah, don't do that. Don't like, do that, yeah. DC. Come on. And so I remember reading his... Uh, when the new 52 came out, he didn't only write Batman. He wrote also Swamp Thing. And I don't remember if he wrote more yeah. than that, but he wrote Swamp Thing for sure. And I remember reading that one and being like, this is weaker. Um, it, it played with some of the same yeah. themes and stuff like that of Batman, but I was like, all your energy is going into the Batman, and as it should. Yeah. And, so. and Swamp Thing is, you know, it was whatever. So that said, I, I love Scott Snyder. I'm not going to give him perfect 10 out of 10. I'm not even going to give him as high. He's going to hear this. I'm going to give him a. He's going to hear this. He's going to. He is. Yeah. He's going to be pissed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to give him a 7.5 out of 10 tall tree lanky witch monsters. That's going to be nine that's foot be, tall tree lanky witch, witch monsters. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think he deserves that's a good one. It. Yeah. I think he deserves all God, 7.5. 7.5 of those. That's a, that's a lot of <laughs> it's fright. A, it's a lot. It's right? gross. Yeah. It's terrible. Uh, yeah. They'll cook your bones in a cauldron. So be careful out there. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's good. I like that. I like talking yeah, about Scott Snyder. That's good. Yeah. I feel good yeah, about it. Yeah. He's good. He's good to talk he's about. He's a good boy. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Common Creatives podcast. We're a dual production of the Destination Nation Network in Louisville, Kentucky, and also uh, Rock Candy Recordings out of Asheville, North Carolina. You can find us online. Our Instagram is at Common Creatives Podcast, and our email. I meant to say this at the beginning of the episode. I always say this at the end, and I want to start saying it at the beginning because I know people don't make it always to the end of the podcast. No. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Not. I, I need to start saying I it at the beginning. No. No. I didn't. I wouldn't. You know what I do, though? When I'm even when I'm really into an episode, What's when that? they start to wind down and talk about, like, yeah. you can follow me at next. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> 
to you. That's good to know. Yeah, usually. Yeah. I mean, I if it's something I like, I usually give it a once over. Like I check out what their ending is like on a random episode, but I don't listen yeah, to I it guess. every time. Like if like I say this stuff pretty much every time. But see, come on, like yeah. this is a chicken wing. We're picking at the bones at this point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're not getting like a ton of good stories here at the end when I'm talking about our our networks and how to reach out. So uh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna yeah. say this at the beginning next time. I'm gonna really. I'm gonna surprise them. Uh, but reach out to us. Let us know what you want us to talk about because we're making this stuff up and uh, we're happy to talk about pretty much whatever. So send us an email. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Common Creators Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, so do that. Also, uh, one thing I do want to plug, which is going to be fun. Uh, it's supposed to be up soon. I don't know if it's up now, but it probably will be by the time this episode drops. Is I got to be the first guest on the first episode of Brian Barrow's new podcast. On the DNN. On the DNN. Called called abnormally normal and uh yeah i actually just talked to brian today yeah because i uh composed the music for it oh cool yeah and as of today i know he's got it cut together uh with the music nice and i think he's gonna drop it soon so very cool we're excited about it so probably by the time that this uh drops you'll be able to do that so we're all over this first episode i'm the first guest and joe wrote the music so if you like this definitely go listen to it like it subscribe it all that business cool man anything else you want to say before we peace out on this episode um i just don't know why you're throwing so much shade at uh scott snyder well, I just think uh, he's a garbage <laughs> human, and we, he needs to come fight me about it. So <laughs> that's all. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna send him this episode on yeah. the Twitter. Yeah, I'm I, going to. I love you forever, Scott Snyder. I love you forever. Yeah, he's he's kind of a shorter guy. Yeah, but he's bulky though. He could he could kick my he's, ass for sure. Yeah, I yeah. think he could hit somebody. Yeah, definitely. I all think right, he did hit somebody. I'm it, sure. <laughs> In terms of being uh, a, a shorter character focused comics creator who could really definitely character focused, as in Buzz yeah. Lightyear in Tokyo Disney, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> character focused, yeah, uh, yeah. Who could definitely uh, beat the that's why he likes shit out of me so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why he likes characters. <laughs> we cracked the case. All right, and oh, in terms man. of all those things, this would is, you say that? Would you say you? Apart. Uh, well, do you concur then, Doctor? Jeez. Yeah, I guess I should. <laughs> all right. See y'all next I time. Should. Bye. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Woo. Thank you for listening. D N N. To find out more, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.